Welcome to Everyday Elephants. I'm your host, Tanner Olson, and in a minute, I'll be joined by Phil, Katie, and Ted. Everyday Elephants is a podcast that discusses what the world is discussing. We take a close look at the elephants in the room, everything from politics to trends to religion. Together, we look for where hope is in the midst of the change in chaos and confusion. Welcome to Everyday Elephants. Hey, happy birthday, Ted. Happy birthday, yes. Ted. Thanks, guys. The Forgot big two-two. That's right, yeah. I'm feeling 22. <laughs> Dude, you forgot to sign the contract that, you know, being a part of this show to take off on your birthday. So sorry that you're working on I know, a I'm day like today, man. fairly disappointed. I'd like for you to double my pay for today's episode. Easy. Well, so. Done. Well, I'm actually going to double everyone's pay for this episode. I think that'd yes. be pretty easy. Happy, happy birthday to everybody. Yeah. Check happy birthday, Ted. <laughs> Ted. You're like the oldest person in this podcast. So like, can you give us some wisdom, man, of what it's like to, I don't know, be a a man who's 36 years old? Listen, as I grew up in the late 1900s um, and in a time before uh, the Internet, I can tell you things that are vastly underutilized to this day is the squares game. I don't know if your parents would play the squares game with you. What's the squares game? See, exactly. Yeah, I have no idea. If we would get bored, if there was a piece of paper close by, late 1900s, Tanner, my dad would grab a sheet of paper and he'd draw (laughs) a bunch of dots in rows. And basically, everyone got a turn and drew a line. Yeah, yeah. And you closed off squares. And whoever had the most squares by the end of the game won. And I I would do that in school all the time. That's, See exactly. Grade, that was all of vastly underutilized. Vastly Great underutilized. Game. I'm Great pretty game. sure we did that in a seminary class, Ted. Oh, 100. <laughs> percent Because oh, we yeah. grew up in the late 1900s. Is that all you did in seminary, guys? Is that's exactly game? all we did in seminary? <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> we won't go there. So, well, dude, happy birthday! That's awesome. Thanks. How's everyone's week? How you guys been? Great. I mean. Just moving the week along. It's only Monday, so you know. You should to get say that with more enthusiasm. It's it's only Monday. <laughs> no, We've got you're not, you're not a teacher. <laughs> you're not a teacher. I, so we can teach well, your life I, like a month. Whoa, whoa, whoa! In some ways, I, I like to think that I am a teacher, but in most ways, I am certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell I you what we? Can I tell you guys what we did last night? This is going to come off as bragging, uh, but I left that house after six o'clock on a sunday night whoa we went we went downtown nashville which is about five minutes away for us we went to a christmas vacation themed bar at night on a sunday and i don't i mean i don't what i don't remember i was too tired to, i wasn't paying attention uh but it was fun it was different, uh, but it was cool. It was like all, you know, Christmas vacation themed. I, I sat by the cat who had the uh, the Christmas lights in its mouth. It was fun. It was just, it was something two, different. Two things on that, Tanner. One, yeah. when you said we left the house to go downtown on a Sunday night, mm-hmm. I already fell yeah. asleep. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I drank coffee at 4.30. So. Second, I understand the idea of Christmas vacation. I've never seen the movie. So... Ooh. Yeah. Well, that's in your, th- and that's interesting. Um, so I think that's something that should probably change this year. It's probably a great movie. Proud but... of you, though. I'm really proud of you. 
just Thank to you. make it yeah. out that late. Like that's that's yeah. a big step in your life. Because Phil, you you're an extrovert. You'll go out anytime. Like you start most things after ten o'clock. I'm usually in bed by ten. And to be oh, honest, dude, I was in bed by ten last night too. So we just flew back to Nashville last night with our boys. I think we got in around nine p.m. So. And then we had a friend staying here and we talked to her till 2 a.m. So shout out Jen Hine for keeping me up all night because that's how the Klopkis roll. Let's go. And I just said that. I said every time I go to the Klop- Klopki house, I have to prepare to stay up till 2 a.m. and have really deep conversations. And I think the last time I was there, I was just getting off of COVID and it didn't go so well. I was talking in circles and I then had to apologize for what I said <laughs> because it just didn't. It was just horrible. But. Yes, deep conversations at the Klopke house till two. Mm-hmm. That's but I'm given. pretty sure when I turn 36 real soon, like Ted, I'm it's all downhill from here. So um, listen, I yeah. already fell asleep early at the Klopke house for many years. Um, you also would fall asleep talking to me in mid sentence on my couch. Oh yeah, and then just start snoring. Like I no used to problem. have video footage of this, and I wish I reveal it to our our audience out there, but. I'm you have not an ashamed. impressive superpower, man. It's I'm not ashamed. There's no one like you, Ted. That's, hey, that's true. One of, that's one a compliment. Of that is a compliment of all compliments. Well, let's get into this week's episode, shall we? Let's do it. We shall. All right. Last week, we were a little all over the place. So instead of having three topics to talk about, we're going to stick with just two. This week on the podcast, we're talking about the mouse and the musk. The greatest place on earth in the wild west of the internet, endless characters and 280 characters. We're talking about Disney and Twitter. Phil, you sent over a headline about Disney. What do you got for us? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Disney just released a new animation film, I think Strange New World. And uh, it was, uh, well, it was a bust. Um, Strange World. Strange World. Thank you. Strange New World. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a bust. I think they budgeted. No, the movie is called Strange World, not Strange. Strange New, New World is Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I didn't know that, but thank you for correcting me. Strange World. There we go. Thanks and a for... whole new world. That's Aladdin. So yeah. <laughs> and I might start breaking out in song. Anyways, they budgeted over 135 to 190 million dollars on this particular project, and it's reported that they probably will be losing over a hundred million dollars on this particular movie which is actually the i think the one of the worst showings for an animated film since you know it winnie the pooh um they made 30 million i mean they made around 30 million dollars but they also had a much smaller budget so to put that in perspective um disney has been um struggling per se and there was another film that just was released hopefully i'll get this one right the rise of Gru just released this summer by from illumination and they gross over 369 million so um capitalism and its finest disney is struggling where disney once was one of the leaders of all times and i think this has gone way back even before these films um i think it was earlier in the year we were we were in a text thread about this and we were talking about um um, when the leaked video came out for Disney and what happened was some of the Disney execs were talking about how they were going to change the narrative of how they're going to release their animation films and make sure it's more inclusive, all things LGBTQ, um, all things also biracial, like making sure that those things are um, being shown and demonstrated in their films. And that has resulted into some flatline showings. Um, I think this summer, 
was it was Lightyear that released. That was the spinoff from Toy Story, which also was not a great showing whatsoever. So to you all, um, this is the elephant in the room. What do you guys make of what's happening with Disney right now? My first thoughts um, on this, it's more of a question, is if our social narrative is so loud around inclusion, right? Um, And there seems to be such a heavy push with critical theory and with um, just inclusion, even in schools right now, we're seeing this theme, right? Um, Especially in my county, and I think every county really, but we're seeing this this push um, and for diversity and um, to hear everybody and equality and, and equity and all and all these terms, right? If that's such a loud social narrative, then why the results that we're getting um, when it comes to this Disney film or just in general, in all these Disney films that are promoting these things that seem to be what everybody looks like loud on board, all of a sudden we're seeing different results when it comes down to the wire. Um, when it is presented, it seems like people aren't responding to it. Um, that's my question is why, why is that? Is it really, do people really believe in this as much as they say they do? Is culture really on board as much as the social narrative is saying that everyone's on board, if that makes sense. So what do you guys think about that? I, I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent. I don't think the assumption is wrong to say as, as they've changed. And like Phil said, you know, that leaked audio probably is cutting into um, some of the idea here. I would wonder if it's not just a, uh, if there's more to it. Um, That as you look and you say, um, there's more and more things that are coming out on streaming. Is there, is it just the social commentary or is it the social commentary plus, right? To say, maybe I I think there is part of that. I I really do, but I don't know if that's the huge thing. And I know Phil, as you and I've kind of talked about this over the last couple of weeks, there was a big marketing budget, but I still feel like I didn't see much about it. And maybe that's just, I'm not watching where they're marketing. You know, that might be the the problem. Um, I believe there was a big marketing budget, but then when they were testing out the movie, it wasn't really connecting with the audience. So they did cut back on some of the marketing money. And the other thing Mm -hmm. to keep in mind, because probably some of these films are so provocative, especially for other cultures, let's say in Asia, um, the Middle East and Russia, these films are no longer being released there where there is probably a huge market that Disney's not capitalizing on as well. Right. Right. Do you also think that, I mean, Disney's so big and has been around for a while, and I don't think they're going to go anywhere, even if one film or a couple of films don't <laughs> don't make as much as they cost. Like, is there is there just something like, a, we're going to keep releasing content, we're going to keep releasing movies, and we're not going to zone in, we're going to zone in on, on, on this audience and this audience and this audience, knowing that, hey, maybe this audience isn't going to make as much but we're also going to give them something that they can connect with, which is kind of something maybe that we see in Strange World or in the the Buzz Lightyear movie, where it may not connect with everybody, but it's going to connect with a certain percentage of their audience and they want to honor, see, and reflect them. You know what I'm saying? And so is it like they're just creating because that's what they do? I mean, it could be. 
I mean, Disney's always known for, you know, pushing the culture barriers and where, I mean, this is not the first time that we've heard people protesting against Disney. Um, it's been happening for a long period of time. I mean, even when I was a kid, maybe you guys remember this too, you know, you'd hear parents of our friends groups saying, you know, we're not going to Disney World because of this and because this came out in this movie. So this is um, not new. However, I do believe that it's probably gotten out of control to the fact that now more people are, you know, even more so against Disney than ever before. But however, Disney is such a big thing as Ted, you brought up earlier when we were talking about this in the pre-show is that, you know, Marvel universe, it's doing pretty good right now. And black Panther made a ton of money. So maybe they're going to still push this out and keep on going with this even if they're not making money with some of these animated films. Well, and didn't they just change CEOs again? They went back to the guy who had led them through. I don't even, I don't, I don't know the full story uh, because the world is full of stories and it's hard to keep up. And we'll talk more about that. But they did just switch CEOs, correct? Yeah, they went back to the guy back who was leading Bob before Iger. COVID. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I wonder if part of it too is that um, everyone's kind of still getting their footing after – you know, what was kind of a globe-changing event in 2020. But, Katie, I'd like to hear more about you as a teacher. And you mentioned, you know, critical mm -hmm. theory and, and social mm -hmm. constructs and things like that and how mm -hmm. you might be seeing that. You know, you see something like this Disney movie, but are you seeing those things being pushed more towards you? Is it? Are you in public school? Are you teaching in a public school? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. So do you see that happening more? I mean, you're in Florida, which, you know, home of home House of the, of the free, Mouse, baby. if you will. So, uh, um, I mean, what are you seeing? Yeah, well, personally, I mean, there's always this. Uh, I mean, we we do have trainings on inclusion and you have trainings on, um, on you know, how to have these discussions with with students, you know, and um, it is along the lines where you, it's it's such a borderline where when you have um, when you have a student and now I don't personally have students, but I've heard other teachers in other schools or stories where you'll have students that want to be identified, um, not even as a gender, but as a cat or a dog or, you know, and um, you know, teaching pronouns is part of the curriculum, you know, and so because we have to learn sentences and semantics and sentence, sentence, sentence structure and, you know, um, so, but there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area where there, there wasn't use, there didn't used to be a lot of gray area. Um, now those conversations, I have not had to encounter those, but of course, in implicitly in our training, um, you're going to see a lot of critical theory. You're going to see a lot of, um, when it comes to um, social discipline, social behavior, social emotional skills, um, simple things that we, as even as parents, you want to teach your students or your kids um, good social skills, right? You're going to see, um, you're going to see this idea of um, somebody is an oppressor and somebody is a, a victim constantly. And that's going to be the social construct um, instead of individualism, it's going to be a kind of a socialistic, uh, uh, you know, take on it. And that's kind of where these trainings, this agenda comes from. Now, when you have these Disney movies like this, right, um, this is definitely something that, you know, my students might go see, um, 
and my students might come back and have these and they haven't yet, but they might have questions or even say things. And as a teacher, you know, we're not encouraged to really press in or have these conversations by any means or but um, definitely not to um, discourage uh, students if they were to like to um, talk about LGBTQ topics or gender fluidity or anything like that. Um, so, so, you know, there with the public school right now, right now it is, it is starting to lean a lot towards that same social construct of inclusion that we're seeing Disney follow. Um, so it does make it difficult when, um, I mean, okay, I'm a Christian teacher, right? Um, so that changes things because, um, my beliefs are different. I do have a different stance, you know? Um, and I'm also, my citizenship is first in heaven, right? And then I have a, a citizenship here on earth in America and I have a job to do, but first and foremost, my citizenship is in heaven. So what, um, what I get to share with my students on a day-to-day basis, um, where I don't have to explicitly talk to five-year-olds about sexuality, because I think it's inappropriate in both spectrums, whether <laughs> I just think yeah. sexuality at a young age, um, they, they're developed as developmentally not appropriate. So especially when they get in, Disney is producing a movie like this, I'm going to take a stance on it. I'm going to say that's development, developmentally not appropriate for students. And that can go both ways. I mean, I even watched a Disney movie that I thought was going to be innocent with my husband. And it was not even same sex. It had nothing to do with same sex. It was just a, a natural relationship. And I thought this is inappropriate for mm, developmentally yep. for, um, I, I believe students at that age, at five or six year old, six years old, when you're watching an animated movie, you should be learning about, about friendship, relationships, and significant others, as far as it goes with parent and child relationships and adult and children relationships that is at that age developmentally your significant other in psychology your attachment is with an adult and so um and to have healthy relationships before considering your sexuality at all whether and and then to push a message about sexuality on students or kids that it's not developmentally appropriate anyways um to me it seems um whether it goes one way or the other it seems indoctrinating and that's just going to be my stance on it. And so well, go it's, ahead. it's as you say, that that, I think that's fascinating because that I, I think of um, who I was in, especially like late high school, early college and how much that was influenced by, um, I mean, the one that pops out to me is like high school musical, right? You know, that was, I. It, high school musical came out, I was in high school, and it was a big deal. But the whole idea, the thing that Disney realized it could buy into was, I, I, you know, I'd label it a new American dream, which this was more Disney Channel mm -hmm. oriented, but it was the teen romance. And it was, everything's, you know, everything's going to be this romantic thing. And... It's idolization. It's looking and saying, for me to be fulfilled, for me to find hope, for me to find life, for me to find enjoyment, I need that relationship in my life. Now, you know, we as Christians would counter back and say, well, hey, that's a that's a great relationship to have. But also Paul says, listen, some people are going to be blessed to be single. And I think yep. that's actually infiltrated the, world, the church in some 
unhealthy ways of how we handle singleness and how we connect around relationship and those kinds of things. But also, I remember the beauty of being this like love crazed kid in middle and high school or in yeah middle through like college and there was this point in college where it was like i no one like just i never had a girlfriend it never happened and here i was woe is me and it was kind of this moment where that switch flipped and i'll i'll give it like power of the holy spirit and that was some incredible time in my life because all of a sudden I wasn't worried who I was sitting next to. I wasn't worried, you know, what's that person doing? What's that girl looking at? You know, it was just like the freedom of just having fun. And I think some of what we have done with the romantic ideas, and a lot of it comes from that place with Disney, is it becomes this burden of saying, you've got to have this figured out. And I've actually really enjoyed some of the newer, like recent Disney stuff that maybe it has romance in it, but it's like second level. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like Moana and Kanto, um, even Frozen to a level is, you know, there is romance there, but it's not the main storyline. It's not the main plot point. Um, But it seems like, I mean, Disney has figured out, they have formulas. How do we make money? And that's what's interesting too in this is they've got a formula of how do we make money? And this movie, you know, Strange Worlds comes along and they didn't make well, money on it. This, I, and this was supposed to be one of their biggest movies because they released it during Thanksgiving time, which historically, if you want to make money um, as a company, it's summer and Christmas. Right. And that's it's they're, they're in a different spot right now. Um, I want to go back to some of the things that Katie was saying. And I'm thinking about this in terms of our development. Right. Um, just recently, I got to go with some of my neighbors to a show here in East Nashville for adults only. It's called Drunken Disney, all right? It's basically singing Disney songs the whole time and drinks at a bar nearby. And it was so much fun, you know? And I'm singing all these songs, and we're having a good time. And I realized, like, these these songs were my childhood. Like, everything came from Disney, and I was, like, just some great memories. And only to think, like, that was very formational in my life and it will probably be very formational um, towards my son's life too. And so it really does make me pause and think in terms of the things that they're consuming. And believe me, it's, it goes beyond Disney. Like I realize, like I'm putting stuff on the, um, the TV for my son and some of us he's watching. I'm like, Oh man, I need to do a better job observing what he's actually consuming because it's so crazy how much he's taking all this all these things and this information and he's applying it to his own life. And that's, I need to be careful as a parent. And uh, I think well, let me ask parents you. out. Well, there's a lot of parents out there that are also responding the same way. It's like this, this may not be best for my family. One. Well, and I guess that's my, the, the question I would ask too, is like, sometimes I think we as Christians ask the wrong question, which is why would Disney do this to us? When really, I think the answer sometimes is saying, hey, we as parents, like we we make decisions of what our kids are going to consume. And that means we have to be more involved. Yep. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully one day to be a parent, you know, that's something I've, I've thought about is like, hey, like this is and you just mentioned it, Phil, like I, you got to watch and, and dive into what is going on, because I don't think we can take and put 
as we talk about inclusion, as we talk about representation, as we talk about all those things, I mean, I don't think we can take and say, hey, we're going to hold up the church's standards to a Disney movie. If Disney's going to make that whatever decision they want to make, that's their decision. They are not, they are in no way a a church organization. Um, Right. And I was going to add to that too. Like Disney doesn't owe us anything. You know, they don't, right. not, they, they've never declared. It's almost our stock in it. Like we have to, we have to think critically and decide what boundary we're going to take and whether the outcome, whether we want to take stances and change Disney, whether or not it changes or not, that's not our control, but we can, we can control what happens in our family and what happens in our life. Sorry, Ted, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, no, no that's, I mean, that was yeah. Thought. Mm-hmm. And well, and I think part of it too, though, that I struggle with is like, I want inclusion. I want representation. I don't want, um, we, a lot of times we look at the social issue, um, and we don't always go to the empathetic level as well to say, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if I disagree what does it feel like to not have that representation? It does. It doesn't mean I have to buy into every um, social construct or social theory out there, but can I empathize and say, you know, what would that feel like? I, I may not know, but how how do I learn? How do I grow? Um, and how do I not? I don't know. How how do I? live both in and outside of the world like you said katie yeah. you know to say i'm i'm here but i'm I'm looking towards the kingdom but how do mm-hmm. i live here you know you think of jeremiah 29 and a lot of times we quote 29 11 you know i have a plan for you but we forget what comes in there as well which is you know pray for mm-hmm. the um the benefit of your city because if your city prospers you prosper mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so and that's babylon like that's you know that he's talking about, you know, people in foreign lands. Like this was not Israel. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, you are in a foreign land. So how do you pray for your foreign land to prosper? A land that is not going to follow God. That's not mm-hmm. going to be doing anything following those ways. And he doesn't say pray for them to be more like you. He says pray for your city mm-hmm. to prosper. And I wonder sometimes how do we look at things like this and say, how do I pray for prosperity and not just my own feelings so that I don't have to deal with it. Cause I think that's what happens sometimes we go, Disney, you shouldn't do this. Cause I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Right. As opposed to right. saying, you're going to do what you're going to do. How do I, how do I do the hard work of figuring it out? And I think we don't like, sometimes we don't like dualism, you know, when it, when it's dualistic in the sense of, I cannot stand for something in one area, but still be compassionate to representation. Right. Um, and um i'm not there's certain things that i'm just not good that's a boundary that's a belief that's a conviction right um but i'm not going to let that be um be um labeled as um um, exclusive or in the sense of that representation doesn't matter because it does um and people people matter right Um, But we have to be able to, as believers, be able to sit in this dualistic mindset of like having compassion for lost people, having compassion 
for um, people that might, that really truly are oppressed, but then also be able to discern like a double-edged sword. Okay. What's, what's the difference between oppression and what's the agenda behind the social construct or narrative behind what's being fed to me? Because just because, um, and I think, um, Phil, I know you sent this article, but um, just because all those areas in the movie Strange World were represented, but now there was there was really no diversity because at the end of the day, you had um, almost every character was so gender fluid, so um, it, that now there was no direct boundary being represented. It was it was just a free for all in the sense that now there was no definition of anybody being represented. Where I couldn't tell, like from the, what the article said, I didn't see the movie, but who was female, who was male, who was who was part of family, who was in charge, who was you know there was no order in the sense that now nobody was being represented because we're trying so hard to push this narrative that now we're losing we're losing um, senses of boundaries. We're losing. Um, um, we're losing a good description of, of people and identity for the search for identity. Now we're losing the very thing that we're kind of aiming for. And I think that we have to be careful of that and sit in this dualistic thinking that I can still be compassionate um, and still not want my five-year-old to be exposed to sexuality in general, but I want that to be represented maybe in a different light, in a different way. Um, somewhere else, but not for my five-year-old, you know, and yeah. not for, because even science tells us that that's not true and not good information for a little kid. So, you know, now, like, I think that's kind of where I sit too. And I don't want to be, nobody wants to be called, be called a bigot or, or, you know, say, oh, I don't want to be that person that's not tolerant or ex or not inclusive because I think that way. No, I want truth. You know, I want there to be some kind of boundary and some kind of, um, you know, description around that. But Phil, what are your thoughts? No, it's a, it's a good point. Like, I, I don't necessarily want to shelter or hide my boys from the world. Like, you know, we are a family that want, wants to be around all people, whether it's sexual orientation, um, family members, friends, whatever that might be, um, different cultural backgrounds. Um, all that stuff is important uh, for us as a family, especially as, as Christians. We, we look at ourselves as missionaries in the city and the neighborhood that we live in. Um, and that's going to be... Um, being in other people's homes and inviting them to our tables and breaking bread with them. And, um, and that is different than also just having them consume uh, what is being pushed out in terms of culture, in terms of the media, in terms of the movies that are out there. Um, I think it's important that some of these elements and these things should be talked about in the home. And, uh, and, and I just need to be mindful of that as a parent. So it's, um, it's getting trickier. I'm also wondering what's Disney's next move, right? Um, they didn't make a lot of money and money does speak volumes. We've talked about this in the podcast before. So are they going to continue to make sure they're pushing this type of narrative or um, are they going to say, Hey, listen, we gotta, we gotta draw it back a little bit. So um, it's, it's interesting for sure. Well, they yeah, just raised 100%. their prices to Disney World. So I think that's kind of one of the ways that they're going to start making back their money. There it is. There we go. Yeah. We've, <laughs> talked, we've talked a lot about boundaries. We've talked a lot about media. 
So let's maybe move on to a place where there maybe are no boundaries and there's a lot of media. Maybe we could talk about Twitter for a little <laughs> bit. Uh, a lot of stuff has been going on there. More stuff than I can even put into words. And so uh, I'm going to stay silent on this one again. What's happening? <laughs> Just kidding. It, it's hard <laughs> to keep up, right? It's going also- dude, there's, dude, there's so much that's going on. It is just like, I don't, I don't even know how, like where to begin because there's, there's a couple of things that we want to talk about. I mean, there's been like, you know, Twitter leaks about the Hunter Biden stuff. I'm going to say his name, Kanye. He's always in the news right now. There's a lot yep. that's just been happening. And we didn't, I don't we know didn't about put y'all. down Balenciaga and what's going on with that yeah, whole and I'm thing. Sure, and I'm sure some people are listening and being like, oh, I didn't hear about that. I didn't hear about that. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have heard about most of these things if it wasn't because of this podcast, right? Like you guys like all, all week, all, all weekend feels like, yeah. did you guys see this? Did you guys see this? Have you guys seen this? I'm like, oh, no, I haven't Tanner and it. I got an oh, angry no. <laughs> text from Phil this morning going, are you guys dead? Because we dared to take a Sunday night to ourselves. Tanner, I was at family birthday dinner. I was we out of the town. In the text so. thread and oh, Phil was wondering. Please. Yeah. All right. So Phil, catch us up. Uh, Phil, catch us up on what's happening on Twitter. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure we should just rename the show Everyday Elon because Elon Musk is part (laughs) of uh, this thing. And so here we we are. Um, Elon, I think it was Friday night, just said, hey, there's going to be a release 5 p.m. Eastern about all things the Hunter, Hunter Biden story within Twitter and how the whole um, thing was handled. And if you're not familiar, Hunter Biden, uh, the leak, it was um, something that the right put out right before the election of 2020. And uh, I think it was the it was the New York Post that put it on Twitter of the story of Hunter Biden's laptop and what they found and which leads to so many different things, which I'm probably not going to get into, but you can Google it and find out for yourself. But the big news was Twitter suspended that particular um, account, uh, the New York Post, and said, this is disinformation and we don't believe that it's real. Um, But now we are learning what happened in the back end of how Twitter really handled that particular story in that situation, which ultimately a lot of conservatives are saying, That was one of the main reasons why uh, Trump did not win the election is because of the social media um, news suppression that was happening. So um, it was interesting. Um, One of the the guy that released the particular story has been known as historically a progressive liberal that has gone after conservatives. And uh, he shared this Twitter thread. I think it was 35 different parts of what... um, what Twitter did behind the scenes and Elon is hinting because he is Elon and he has all the power in the world that he is going to be releasing more stories of what has happened with Twitter. So uh, we're learning behind the scenes, behind the curtain of what is happening. Um, My question for you is, you know, what are some of your thoughts so far guys in terms of what's been released so far um, in Elon's world? Can I, can I tell you one thing that bothers me? And it's about sports. But when you're watching a game, and let's just say it's basketball. Some of us watch basketball. And the ball goes out of bounds. And the players point at the other team to say, hey, it was out of bounds on them when it was clearly out on them. And they know that. That's one of those things that, like, 
completely frustrates me. Or in baseball, when it's clearly a strike and they're like, what? How could this be? That's your fault. I wish that the internet, and it kind of sounds like there's a little bit of course correction happening where it's like, no, no, the ball was out on you. And we're going to bring some light on that. It just bothers me when people are like, mm. I'm going to blatantly lie about something that I know to be true and see if we can get the ball back. Right. Does that, that, does that make sense a little bit? Is that guy? Is that the same as gaslighting somebody? Is that similar or is it the yeah. same? Because yeah. that, that's what it reminds me of. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or, because, yeah. or flopping, right? You know, you're taking, you know, the World Cup's happening, right? And, you know, here's a. Uh, you know, oh, I got touched, but here I go. You know, I'm gonna fall on the ground and point at this other guy that he had this deep ill content. But mm -hmm. uh, Tanner, I think that's actually a really good outlook on it because that's that's part of the problem we have with politics now is it's become a game. You know, mm -hmm. it's we've we've made it. You know, who's our favorite team and is our favorite team gonna win? Yep. And so it's disappointing. Like this, the stuff that that Musk, you know, either he released or, you know, gave access to this guy, whatever it was, um, was disappointing uh, mm -hmm. to to look into. Say, you know, it wasn't the White House, which has been kind of one of the misreported or tweeted things. Is that oh, the government? Well, the government technically didn't do this. This was the Democratic National Committee and the Biden campaign, which doesn't make it a whole lot less worse but it's still a differentiation between you know those kinds of things yeah. um the problem is twitter became something more than just here's my thoughts in and it used to be you know 140 characters mm -hmm. it became our instantaneous news source you know you think about sports right where do you find out about trades about free agent signings they come from a lot of times from Twitter because all of a sudden the journalist, whoever it is that's breaking the story, has instant access to however many followers they have. And plus you can break the story immediately too. You right. don't have and, to and that's, send it through an editor. It's immediately. Right. So it's we're getting news faster than ever before. And so Twitter became more than just this site that you can express yourself. It became the number one news source. Like I'm I don't watch the nightly news. I, you know, every once in a while I'll get on and like search articles, but most of the time I'm linking off of somewhere else to find my news, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you know, whatever it is. But I think that what this shows and the question it makes us ask, a lot of the question has been, oh, you know, this is a First Amendment issue. Well, technically I don't think it is a First Amendment issue. I think it's a question about um corporate ethics to say mm -hmm. twitter was a company that started as a you know as a social media site and i think that originally this would not be a huge deal of you know we know people at twitter we're going to call them and ask them to you know suppress this story like that's political dealing 101 you use your connections to to help your side the problem is twitter facebook everything has become something more and we let the monster get so far out ahead, we don't have a good cage for it. And so what I see is really disappointing in this story is the fact of saying um, Twitter got that response and then without identifying themselves as a political entity made political decisions. And 
they kept making political decisions. And now even Elon Musk, in saying, I'm going to release all this stuff, is doing the human trait, which is we don't find tension in the center, we swing the pendulum the other way. And it's not saying what Hunter Biden did was right. And I think there probably is, you know, there needs to be some kind of responsibility in digging in on this. Um, But I also think the other side now saying, oh, well, really, there's nothing to this Hunter Biden story. What? That wasn't true. So it's a it's a weird thing. But I think it has more to do with how are we going to regulate these social media companies and less with this is a First Amendment issue? Well, but I mean, I know it's you make a good point that, you know, people are making the case for the First Amendment issue, which it's it's still a social media platform. You are right, Ted. But when social media has the ability to swing elections, isn't that a problem? Well, but then let's go back and let's look at Russian bot farms on Facebook that pushed a lot of people towards Trump. But I mean, it I also think, goes, it, it goes remember, back to what Ted, remember, Ted it goes, that was proved. That was proved in all the hearings that that was actually run by the Democrats, though. Like that was something by the Hillary's campaign. Not all of them. There. But not all they, of them. no, they 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 set up that story. I, first of all, please hear me that I know that Republicans and Democrats are all in the wrong of this. But like that was another case right there where they were trying to say this was for two years. There was investigations with what they did. And then it was proved that that was not done. And I'm collusion with Trump. And Russia. I'm not talking about even Trump being connected to it. I'm talking yeah. about foreign governments getting using social media. So hear that. I should have specified. Okay. I'm more talking about the, a foreign government can, you know, write my name's Fred Jones and sign up with an email. And now yeah. all of a sudden they have access to 150,000 people, you know, yeah. like that's sorry, should have specified. Yeah. And, and I'm also saying, too, this is not about <laughs> the election like, you know, this. No, this is far no, I, I understand like, what you're saying. We just want to be able to receive news that. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to swing people's opinions for elections. And granted, like, it goes back to something deeper. Like, this is the the kingdom in in Jesus we serve is not of this world. Uh, But, you know, we're we're in this world. And it's 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 amazing when it's swaying people's ideologies and beliefs. And I mean, these are new religions for people, too. Well, it also goes back to what Ted was saying. It's it's all a game and we are being treated as a, as, as, you know, as players or as fans, but it all, it all this kind of reminds me like, you know, we we have to sift through all of this noise Mm -hmm. to find the true news. It kind of feels like a gold rush kind of situation, right? We're just like, we're just trying to find out what's true. And like every now and again, we get the actual information and I don't know about y'all, but it, 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 it's, it's frustrating and it makes me not want to engage with it at all. and it makes me want to just kind of pull back and be like you know what like mm-hmm. that's not i i don't care and i do care but i don't care like about what's yeah. happening or going on because it i don't know maybe it's important but like do i have the time or the energy or the heart to wait around long enough for me to be like oh that's what happened yeah by the time by the time mm-hmm. you get that you know it's like is that even true there's or also i'm these... so scholarly reports that are peer reviewed by so many different to be able to receive actual scientific information like you don't have the time for that that's a great um 
clip going around of Bo Burnham, and he's talking. It looks like he's at some tech company. Um, but if you haven't seen all the time, <laughs> well, <laughs> Bo Burnham, the the comedian. But yeah, right. What's great about it is he basically breaks down and says, you know, it used to be, um, you know, we as people we colonized land, and now that we've colonized the entire world, all we have left to colonize is your attention. And he has this great breakdown of saying, I don't think social media companies intend to be evil, but I think what they want is every bit of attention you have. They want you glued to your phone at all times. And the way you do that is the story has to be more clickworthy. And, you know, and so the disappointment for me is there of saying, the the DNC, you know, Twitter was on their side for a long time, and now that it's not, all of a sudden Twitter's real bad, and it doesn't seem to be that much different than it was, you know, three weeks ago. It's gotten better. Twitter 2.0 coming your way, Ted. All right. So my my final question to kind of close out this episode is: so with all the new age and and the wave of Twitter, like how are we as Christians supposed to respond to the unending headlines? And what so like what do we do? Yeah, I the my first thought I think I think about um I think about Peter when he steps off the boat. <laughs> this is like such a like cheesy illustration if you're in the Christian world, but um when Peter stepped off the boat and there was the waves and the storm and the rain and him having to fix his eyes on Jesus, I feel like oftentimes in this world and in this culture, we have got to focus our gaze um, in the midst of the loud wind, the loud rain, the storm, and focus in on Jesus and his word and his truth and what he is saying. Um, because like you were saying, Ted, this can get very distracting and we can actually make this and this news much bigger than what God is doing in his business yep. and forget that because that's not going to make headlines. What God is doing isn't going to be on our Google feed or on our Twitter stream what he's got what he is doing we have got to fix our eyes on him and i feel like there's hope in this um because there is god is doing a lot of very great things and hopeful things in the midst of all all of the hurt all the pain all the news everything that's going on he is moving and he is doing lots of great things and one of the the verses that was just on my heart was in second timothy Two, four, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civil and affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding offer. officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive a victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And um, kind of going on to say that our main focus is to please the father, that our citizenship, um, that we are on a mission, we're on a goal. There's a fight, but not every news headline is our fight is not our, um, it's not always our domain and we're not going to win. We, we can't seek victory there. We have to mm. seek a uh, spiritual victory and in, in what God is doing. Ditto to what Katie said. Thank you for beautifully stating that Katie. I love that. Um, ultimately these are secondary issues, right? It's good for me as a Christian to be aware of these things and to talk about these things because I have neighbors and friends that are consumed by these um, these subjects and I want to be able to have conversations with them and, and ask better questions and, and just to be fully aware of what's going on. But this is so secondary to the things that matter the most. 
and um, which obviously can distract me at times. But uh, yeah, uh, what Katie said, I thought that was I thought that was great. The the only thing I'd add to what Katie said is, I think the body of Christ plays into this to be like time and relationship with people in you know in Christ with you is always going to be a blessing. We had a thank you dinner for volunteers for our from our church this Friday night and it was an incredible high coming off of that for me of just getting to um sit with some of our volunteers and have dinner and you know I think for me that that's a that's a huge piece is saying where are you slowing down and turning off to spend time with people um and uh my brother i've been giving him some some crap about it but he's he's been posting a lot on social on social media lately but his big thing is slow down look around and i think that's part of it is slowing down and saying man i want to spend time with people i want to spend time without my phone without those kinds of things and kudos to katie who you know is not on the drug of twitter and you know is is safe from uh, it's vile clutches, but I, I think it's being with people is, is a big, you know, piece of, of the gift we have. So what I'm hearing you say is it's good to be out past 6 p.m. hanging out with people. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can hang out with people before 6 p.m., Phil. People got to work, Ted. You can't just be hanging out with people during the work day. I can. I'm a pastor. I do it all the time. Exactly. We're not all pastors, Ted. Well, Phil, well, maybe you'd work a little harder than you could be. <laughs> that's true. Oh, man. Here we go. Ooh. There's there's the <laughs> old ones. Oh, Sorry, deep. Phil. Uh, on that note. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it. Out. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh... <laughs> I love you, buddy. Oh, and on a good note. Very nice. All right, whatever. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Everyday Elephants. (laughs) Make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube, but not on Twitter because we're not on Twitter. If you're interested in being a sponsor for the podcast or you have a topic that you would like for us to discuss, send us an email, everydayelephantspod at gmail.com. You can also check the show notes for the links. We love to get mail. All right, we did it. Another episode. Have a great week, and we will catch you next Monday. Peace.